Ash has got his black T-shirt on with that sort of introductory music. Uh, it's time to talk, as we do every Monday morning, about the sporting issues occupying the nation's mind with the Courier Mail's chief sports writer, Robert Crash Craddock. Morning, Crash. How are you? Yeah, terrific, dog. That music. I feel like oh, yeah. cracking open a Red Bull or something <laughs> with a bit of vodka and uh, are you dressed in black? Only 8 a.m. Oh, yeah, you got it. <laughs> dressed in black. <laughs> Uh, exactly, but no. What do we? There's always something to talk about, isn't there? And I, you, know, you just mentioned, of course, the one day T20 between Australia and England last night. Very enjoyable, yeah. I have to say, uh, up tempo game and a very good deck in Perth. They've uh, that stadium hasn't has only been ex- in existence for about four or five years, but they've done a terrific job with their drop in pitch. Gee, it's been good. They've had a couple of good test matches there, and a, and uh, as Mark War said, it was almost like synthetic. It was that. That true and uh, a great deck. Yeah, we'll get to your underrated and overrated a minute, Crash, but just as you've started on that uh, T20 game last night, have you got your sort of mind around the Cameron Green, Aaron Finch sort of opening batting four situation this close to a T20 World Cup? Yeah, really tricky and hard to understand. I think what they have been aware of is that a player like... We're all talking about Marcus Stoinis and Mitchell Marsh being fit to bowl, but... They uh, the interesting one is Ashton Agar, who was available last night but didn't play. Uh, he was in the squad last night, didn't play. Mitchell Swepson played. He's got a side strain. Mm. Now he's a couple of he's in the squad, the World Cup squad, and he's a couple of weeks away from being fit. So I reckon if they ruled him out, they may put Cameron Green in, and that allows them them to put Green in the starting eleven. Now. Whether Green has played himself out of the starting mm. 11 by failing a few times at opener is a moot point. But uh, I think that they don't know what they're doing just yet. They're looking at Green thinking, gee, if Agar doesn't prove his fitness, we'll bring him in. But uh, Aaron Finch at number four does nothing for me. I, I just think not at a run-a-ball place. You know, he- he- he's got a... That is a dangerous innings sometimes in a negative way if you make 20 off 20 and you're chasing 200. Um, so Finch is going to go back to the order, uh, top of the order, and open with David Warner for the next game against England. And I think that's where he'll be in the World Cup. But nothing is certain. Mm. No, it certainly isn't. Uh, we're pretty close to it now. You'd think they would have had it worked out by now, Crash. Yeah, although I, there's always one loose piece and it must be said, they have got a terrific team and they're playing well. Like, they rested half their side last night and they almost caught the uncatchable run chase. You know, with Stoinis looking good, uh, Warner's in imperious form and, and they've got a terrific bowling attack. They'll be very hard to beat. But there's this little rickety place with, and, and it just happens to involve the captain, Aaron Finch. And we've said it so often, but it is true. Teams which have their captains out of form, uh, the reverberations are felt all the way through the team. You, you know, when, when a captain wobbles, so does his team. I saw this with Mark Taylor uh, in 1997 when he went 18 months and, and really struggled. And the whole it was all they talked about, the team, when they went out for dinner. Now, it's not quite at that stage with Finch. He will get through this tournament, and, and I reckon that could be the end of him in, in T20 cricket. But he's not in, in great form either. He's just existing at the moment. Andrew, your thoughts? Um, yeah, and I think uh, once the uh, World Cup starts and everyone's got their quick bowlers and they're playing on the bouncier wickets of Australia, it's going to be a real test for him, I reckon, a real test, because I think he's a, he's a step behind where he was. 
Oh, he, he is. And you can see it. I tell you who's shown it up is David Warner, who's looked absolutely mm. sublime in the last two innings. Just plenty of time, not rushed, playing no-risk cricket, yet scoring in a strike rate of about 140. I've never seen him bat better. And, and Finch is just having to work hard. Like, you know those singles down the ground where you lean back on your back foot and you belt the ball into the ground and it goes into the deep end? It's just hard work, chug-a-lug cricket. And, and, and that's where Aaron Finch is at the moment. Mm. Crash, we always look forward to your underrated and overrated each Monday morning. Who makes the underrated list this week? Uh, uh, underrated is Alan Borderfield as a cricket ground. I, I've, they have got that place. It is one of the... I reckon not just Australia's, but one of the world's really attractive little boutique grounds. And I was down there last week to watch Queensland play South Australia in the Shield. And I just urge our listeners, if you've got time, uh, you know, there's World Cup warm-up games. New Zealand's playing there next Monday. Um, go down and have a look and spend an afternoon there with the sea breeze coming in. And it, it is magnificent. There is no advertising on the picket fence. It's an old-fashioned ground. I, I love it. And I'm not being biased as a Queenslander here because, like Andrew Cordes, I've mm. never overly rated the Gabba. I've just <laughs> felt the Gabba lacks that soul. But Alan Borderfield has, Alan, uh, Andrew. Yeah, I think it does. Uh, yeah, I think the Gabba changed uh, once they redid it uh, for the Olympics and uh, they got rid of the quaint aspects of it, the dog track, uh, the cricketers club down there with the barbecue smoke coming out, uh, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, the hill, the scoreboard. Once they all went, it became a football stadium with a good cricket wicket and it. it lost its character as a, as a cricket ground. So that's my concern with it. Uh, and I love Alan Borderfield. Yeah, and, and look, the Gabba has no named grandstand, not one. Like, not one, you know, like, and I know it's a cake tin sort of uh, feel to it, so it's one big stand, but, like, uh, the Adelaide Oval uh, has stands named after them, uh, famous players, mm. even though, you know, it's a circular and very modern as well. And, and the Adelaide Oval, to me, is the template for how yeah. to renovate a ground. Yep. They brought history with it. You walk yeah. through the corridors and you see the old history... I've never sensed that at the Gabba. Sure, there's a scattered photo here and there, but it, it, you need more to have a soul. And I have to... This is where I'm sticking up for Alan Border Phil. I think it's fantastic. And in other um, underrated, Vic Frost, the 83-year-old harness racing trainer who was the, formerly the champion of all he presided over in Sydney, now lives down Kingscliff Way, works his horses on the beach, and he's got a lovely winner the other night. I think it was Scotch and Ice, but it was a beautiful... Just lovely to see a guy like that still involved in the industry. It's wonderful. And as a cricketer, now we'll, we'll talk about his obstructing the field in a minute, but I think Matthew Wade has d done a fine job for, for Australia to, to keep going as long as he has at international level. Goodness me, he had testicular cancer and uh, he's still one of their better players. He's sort of, uh, yeah, he is impressive because he, uh, remember he was obviously the keeper for the test team, then he was dropped and he went down and scored a mountain of runs and forced his way back in as a batsman in the test team and then sort of got moved on from there, but absolutely reinvented himself now as our go-to merchant batting in the really high pressure situations in T20 cricket. He's a sort of a, he's an abrasive character, but there's a lot to admire about him. Well, the, the, strangely enough, the same part of his personality which twice 
made him stick his arm out and stop Mark Wood from completing a court and bowled last night. He should have been given out obstructing the field. That part of his personality, the grit and the salt and the cement, make, has enabled him to start from the bottom up again and reinvent himself as a, as a keeper batsman. And he played as a specialist batsman, of course, in Test cricket, yeah. which was extraordinary given he was a former weaker keeper. They didn't want to pick him, no. 100%. They, it was in nobody's plans. And they kept making excuses not to pick him. It's very rare for a player to force his way through the system like that. So he's made of pure granite, Wade. And whatever he is, and you don't have to love him, but he's hard not to respect. Mm. I really respect his strength. Story. As I said, laid low with cancer, you know, real scrapper fighter. Grew up in the backyard with Tim Payne. You know, they lived a couple of kilometres away from each other at Lauderdale and used to play in the backyard all the time. Tim was always the prettier keeper and uh, Wade was the sort of the, the, the little gutsy scrapper. Chris, that's a rather nice list of underrated there. Who makes it into the overrated list? I just think, look, I, I listened to Tim Fuller's thoughts about Qatar hosting the World Cup and, gosh, I thought that was a terrible decision to give that World Cup to Qatar. Oh, and I thought yeah. overrated was Qatar's uh, frequent defence of their safety record. Like, um, Amnesty International have said that 6,500 uh, migrant workers from Asia have lost their lives in the decade since Qatar got the World Cup. Now... That's they have gone to Qatar and their deaths are recorded. A lot of them have been working on the 11 stadiums constructed for the Qatar World Cup. Not all of them. Qatar says, no, we've only had about 20 or 30 deaths on the stadiums, but that, that's they only count accidents. They don't count things like people passing out in the heat and having heart attacks because of heat strain. Like they, So I, I just think, I don't know, of all the decisions at all the World Cups... This is the one that really is such a. It's such. It's the biggest tournament on earth. It's bigger than the Olympics, the Soccer World Cup. It, it reaches. It has more fervor about it. And I just need to give it to Qatar because they opened their purse and had a deeper wallet than anyone else. I'm sorry, I don't get it. Well, I think you talk about safety records. It's only a contradiction in terms with Qatar, isn't it? It should be an unsafety record. Uh, that's about the only record they have. Um, you mentioned the Alan Borderfield. Clark, he was out there Friday. He said he gives it the absolute thumbs up. He says he agrees totally with your view on things. But there was also a cricket game being played and some pretty good players out there. Uh, Labuschagne, Jimmy Pearson, uh, Mark Steckety and Tim Payne uh, quietly making his way back into first-class cricket. Where's it going to end or? What's going to be the position with Tim Payne, do you think, uh, Crash? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, he's got a book coming out at the end of this month called The Price Paid. Now, you can't have a title like that without reflecting on the stunning resignation he, he uh, completed from Test Cricket after a sexting scandal with a former employee of the Tasmanian Cricket Association. So this summer is very important for Tim at age 37 because it may be his last, but at least it means he got back to cricket after that scandal. At least it means the scandal wasn't the last memory of him. Mm. He kept beautifully. He's a very well-preserved 37. Like, you know how yeah. some cricketers kept that that age and you sort of think, oh, he, you're just getting there. Well, he missed a lot of cricket. He kept beautifully two or three really good catches and he was not out in the second innings when wickets were falling around with him. They were absolutely um, 
they were absolutely smashed in that game, Tasmania. Uh, but he can offer a lot to that team just in terms of sage advice. Uh, he was beautifully calm in the Australian team when all else was falling around him, oh, honestly. He was a underestimated captain, Tim Payne. Um, so... I think he'll chug along this season and probably retire. Mm. But I saw some things I really liked in that game from a Queensland point of view. I mean, I know Manus Shane scored a century uh, on on day on the second day, but when he came into bat and it was dark the night before, he could have had a night watchman. He marched to the creases if he couldn't wait to get there. And in really fading light, and I'm telling you, it was mm. dark... I saw why Marnus Labuschagne is a batting champion because he's got zest for the contest. I know any any number of former internationals would say, oh, gee, look at this, it's half. You can barely see. He wanted to face Riley Meredith, who was bowling at about 148 kilometres an hour. He wanted to face him. You know, he, he's just, mm. he's got that zest for the contest, which is tremendously rare. Uh, and also Warwick's Mark Steckity, you know, fringe Australian international candidate, very underrated. Six wickets for the game, steams in, good record. Looking good, Andrew, looking good. Yeah, yeah. good, tough cricketer. Crash, uh, Wayne Bennett, Cam Munster made a few headlines across the weekend. Wayne clearly wasn't happy that Cam Munster didn't tell him and didn't call him and tell him he rejected that offer from the Dolphins. Yep, I, I totally get Bennett's point of view here. Um, I've heard people on radio say, oh, it's not a player's job to be ringing up all these uh, clubs he rejected. But to say that, Jared, completely underrates the strength of the relationship between Bennett and Munster. Now, when Bennett coached the State of Origin team a couple of years ago and they, they won in a shock upset over New South Wales, he and Munster became really close. Munster actually said to him, if you become coach of that second team in Brisbane... I'll come up and join him. He said that sentence. Now, that wasn't a legal contract. Of course, people changed their minds, but they became very close. And I just felt that I didn't hold it against Munster for not ringing the West Tigers and telling him that he was rejecting their offer, but Wayne deserved a phone call. And it came from uh, to the club from from uh, his manager, Munster's manager, Braith and Nasta. He's done nothing hugely wrong there. But Munster planned it so that when he went through customs to fly to England for the World Cup, they let the cat out of the bag and he could have 24 hours of peace before he had to face up with it and then yeah. he was gone. So uh, yeah, Bennett's right, you know. In the modern world with managers... It, it means that athletes are not developing in the way that young kids do when you've got to have tough conversations, when you've got to face up to someone, look them in the eye or even over the phone and say, look, I've got some bad news for you. I am not joining your club. Now, that's part of developing as a person. Yeah. yeah. Look, it is, but I suppose the underlying thing here is, and if the reports are right, Cam Munster has taken a sizable decrease in, in money offered to stay with Melbourne Storm and not go to the Dolphins. Why would that be the case? Well, here's one obvious one, premierships. You know, it's mm. just a softer ride with Melbourne. He knows the place. He's lived there for the last decade. 
they're in and around the top four. The, the, the Dolphins are going nowhere quickly. I, I like their long-term plan. I don't mind their team for next year, but it's three or four years. The, and, and, the, and the toughness of joining a foundation club could see Munster decline as a player even quicker. Whereas in Melbourne, he's there with that spine. You can say, oh, Melbourne might not be what they were. They've still got Pappenhausen. They've still got Harry Grant. You know, they've still got a really good spine, Jerome Hughes. So when when you fade as a player, you, you, you try and fade out of the game with dignity and you hope you get a decent ride. Melbourne will give Munster that ride. And also, look... The di- difference was apparently a, a couple of hundred thousand a year. Well, look, say it's two hundred. Well, sixty grand goes in tax. That leaves you with a hundred and forty. So, and by staying with Melbourne, he may play one more year and get it all back. It's a good point, Crash. But I think what it does show is how hard it is to get marquee players oh, to yeah. a new club. I mean, that couldn't have been a better offer than the one the Dolphins put to Munster. And that, together with the relationship between Bennett and Munster, you would have thought they were in with a puncher's chance. But, you know, they they couldn't get him. I mean, uh, who who do you think they will get? I mean, they missed out on Ponga, obviously a mutual sort of decision by the sound of it. Couldn't get Munster. Um, Mitchell doesn't appear to be in the frame. But is there someone on the horizon you think they'll get? No, I can't see them in the first year getting that marquee signing. And and it is a setback, Andrew, because you've got to have, in the modern world, particularly with young people and trying to get your social media going, Mm. that face on the side of the bus. All right? Now, you tell me... Who's the face on the side of the bus from the Dolphins at the moment who's making you turn your head? It's not Anthony Milford. It's not Kenny Bromwich. It's not Felice Cafusi. They're all fine players. We get it. But Munster was that man. And that's why Redcliffe could afford to go so big for him because basically 400 grand of it was a marketing contract. So, well, when I say marketing contract, that was you know, incorporated with promotional appeal. I mean, the guy just, just, you know, he's out at all these uh, functions, isn't he? And, and Cam, come up and talk to our major sponsor. Mm. So uh, I, I don't mind their team, the Dolphins, and I've got great respect for Terry Reader and the job these boys have done. And, and I love the teenagers they're signing. They'll be a slow burn. And, and when we speak this time in 10 years, I bet they're one of the powerhouses of the competition but it is shaping as a tough first year. You cannot get away from that. They gave him a very short runway and very little help. Mm. And uh, unlike the AFL system, which allowed, which spoon-fed the Gold Coast and teams like this a lot of draft, early draft picks, you're out on your own when you start a new rugby league club, and it's a very tough place to be. And Crash, I saw over the weekend uh, the Broncos have upgraded the role of Matt Ballin. He's now an assistant coach. What does that mean? He's interesting. Everywhere I went around Brisbane in the last six months, I heard players rap Matt Ballon. Just thoughtful, relevant information, modern, and everything. Said that he was doing a terrific job at the Broncos. Now, he comes in. That will create a vacancy for another voice. I hope Kev Kev Walters goes for the contrary voice, a voice he doesn't even particularly want to listen to but needs to listen to. That was the criticism of the Broncos staff with guys like Terry Madison there. And they were lovely guys, really lovely guys. But sometimes you need a sergeant major, don't you? You know, you need that guy at your club who, 
you know, players, he just puts players a little bit on edge because there's no doubt, Jared, there's no doubt that in the last two months of the competition, standards flagged at the Broncos. After seven wins in a row, the lads got a bit comfortable with themselves. There was no one putting an acorn on their seat. And that's what you need sometimes. You need that hard man. Wayne Bennett's been doing it for 40 years. So so that's the guy I'd love to see come in. The contrary... The, the bloke who is perfect for it is Corey Parker, who, who who doesn't mind playing that role, but I don't think they would hire him. They just... They might find that, you know, they just go for someone who, you know, is a bit more sort of easier, to, you know, comfortable sort of thing than, than, than Corey. Okay, Crash, well, unfortunately, we're out of time. Yep. Um, gee, that half an hour goes quickly, Andrew, doesn't it? it and does. you're right. There were so many uh, topics to talk about today. Uh, we'll defer a few of them until next week. We'll look forward to catching up with you then. Can't wait, guys. See you then. Bye.